Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. On Faith Radio. And a warm welcome to Afternoons with Bill Arnold. I'm the Bill Arnold part of that sentence. It's Friday, and I hope you are uh, having a good day, and I hope your week's been good, and now the weekend is upon us. But Fridays are a great day. You know, I love Mondays because that gets the week started, and Fridays is the day that we uh, get ready for uh, a weekend, and I think we're all in the mood for one today. Um, So I hope uh, you had a great night last night, and you had family time, and I hope you are... um, ready for a great show today because we've got in studio Bill Mast and Brian DeVries from Search Twin Cities, Search Ministries. It's been around 40 years, and it's all over the country, and it's a phenomenal ministry. We're going to talk about that. They also have an event coming up next week featuring, ready for this, John Stone Street. He's going to be in the Twin Cities area. He will be speaking next Friday, November 8th at 7 in the morning. And I know that there's some open seats available, and you're going to want to get tickets, and I'll tell you about that in just a minute. But I'm looking at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18. It says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. A great way to start Friday. Let's take 60 seconds, and I'll be right back. The happiest people. They're the ones with the vacation home on each continent. No. They're the ones in perfect health. No. They're the ones whose team wins the Super Bowl. Oh, uh, well, maybe. No. The happiest people are the most thankful people. Because when you focus on all that God has done for you, no matter what else is going on, it's really hard not to smile. So as you listen to Faith Radio, we hope you're inspired to live that kind of life every day. Connecting faith to life. Faith Radio. Focusing on Christ together. Jesus, 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 just that name. There will be one name that I proclaim. Faith Radio. I am so glad to welcome to the studio Bill Mast and Brian DeVries, directors of Search Ministries, which has um, been in the Twin Cities for 40 years. Gentlemen, I hope this is better than jury duty. Welcome. Thanks, Bill. Great to be here. Yeah. Good to be here. Our goal is to have a good time and talk about Search and talk about your event coming up, too, with John Stone Street. How cool is that? That's awesome. Well, Excellent. you know, he's a regular here on Faith Radio. We we air him every day, and he has got, um, and I, he's been on my show a couple of times, and He's, uh, he's an amazing and talented guy. We had the privilege of having John speak at a Straight Talk breakfast, I'd say about five years ago. And his topic was, can atheists be good? And that was a great attraction because people wanted to hear that talk, both the people of faith and the atheists that came. Mm-hmm. And John 
as good as anybody, right? Better yeah. than most could just, just knock that out of the park. Yeah. Let's talk about search because search is such an amazing ministry. And I want to let our listeners know because there's so many people interested in sharing their faith, looking for new ways to be creative about sharing their faith and looking for uh, places where they can have kind and adult conversation, you know, where you are respectful and there's no yelling and screaming. It's it's amazing that people have that desire to to know something like that, um, and they have no place where they can actually ask those questions. We actually had um, an individual come into one of our um, events, and uh, he said, "Look, I, I got some some real questions about the resurrection. I'm I'm not sure I'm really buying it, but I I I can't take that question to a church. You know, I'm afraid they're going to throw me out. But I can I can ask that question at a search function. I can ask the basics." Well, so they're reluctant to ask hard questions in a church environment because they don't want to, you know, look stupid or they don't want to, what, get bullied? (laughs) (laughs) I hope churches wouldn't do that, but... No, it's interesting to see that people have this sense of uh, safety where they feel that um, it's it's a comfortable setting for them to ask questions that that are significant for their faith. Yeah, well, men in particular, I know, um, can easily talk about, you know, news, weather, and sports, but they have a difficult time talking about things of faith and when friends are hurting and you clearly know they're hurting if they're outside the family of god you want to connect with them and tell them you'd be praying for them and caring for them and um, then to have an opportunity to invite them into a place where they can have nice conversation about matters like why do bad things happen to good people Mm. because they got lots of questions don't they they do um you know, the two social no-nos are supposedly uh, politics and religion, right? Mm-hmm. We don't, we're not supposed to talk about those in, in social settings. But our experience has been that I, people really do enjoy talking about spiritual things. It's how we go about it. None of us want to be preached at, but people really, when they're invited into a conversation, they just love that. Oftentimes people say, I've, I've been looking for an opportunity to talk about this and ask questions and this was a very civil discussion, and when can we do it again? So this idea of reaching out, being invitational, um, inviting questions, and asking a lot of questions. What do you, what do you believe? Tell mm-hmm. me what you believe, and, and how did you reach that conclusion? Mm-hmm. That invites people in. What's the strategy of search ministries? I mean, we've got two halves to our ministry. One is to make sure that we are equipping those that are believers to be able to give an answer for the reason of their faith. Um, to be sure their foundations, to be sure that they've uh, got the equipment they need to have those important conversations. The other half is to try and invite those that have genuine questions about faith that have not made a decision for uh, for a Savior or for any other part of their faith for that matter. Um, so we have those two halves of our ministries. So it seems uh, that we've got this funnel-type uh, strategy where we have larger events where we get uh, an opportunity to get contacts and people that can come forward and say, hey, i got questions. Um, maybe we can you know, get together and have some conversation about those, and we can get smaller and smaller in our groups or all the way down to one-on-ones if necessary. So this funnel approach that we've had has worked fairly well where we'll start out with these large events like the Straight Talk that's coming up, and uh, then we can, we can kind of gather together the individuals that really do have those honest questions and provide them an opportunity to either vet them in a, in a small group setting or maybe one-on-one if they'd rather. Mm-hmm. Sometimes events like this where you can go hear a speaker it feels a little bit low risk if you're inviting, correct? Mm, exactly. That's exactly what it is. 
We've been, uh, you know, our colleague Jeff Seaman retired last December, and he's the one that had this idea for these straight talk breakfasts. And I suppose we've had them about 20 years now. And I would say we probably had 60-plus events. Wow. And you're exactly right, Bill. It's a safe place and kind of an easy invitation for a Christian. Bring your non-Christian friend. It's, it's, it's in a nice venues, such as Golden Valley Country Club in this case in the Twin Cities. We start in time. We end on time. People can leave quickly and get to work. Nothing is asked of them. We we will ask if, if they're interested to fill out a card and if they want a, someone to contact them. Otherwise, nothing is asked of them. So it's an easy invitation. Mm-hmm. Well, I've been going to Straight Talks for a long, long time, and I've, I've loved Straight Talks. And I would say my favorite one of all time was someone who is now a very regular guest on my show. Every month, Jay Warner Wallace comes mm-hmm. on. And I must say that was the most engaging and solid, clear presentation of the gospel that I think I've heard. I, w- I was so intrigued with him. Yeah, the cold case Christianity yes, approach, yes. taking his past detective yes. work, solving cold cases, and bringing, uh, correlating that to the gospel. It's just fascinating how he does that. Yeah, and now fortunately he's on the show every month, so I get a chance to chat with him, and it's it's uh, it's great to uh, get people like John Stone Street and J. Warner Wallace, these people who can give such um, powerful uh, messages and talks. And so if you're a believer and you think, I would like to go to that, and I know someone who would appreciate John Stone uh, Street's intellect, because I listen to him every day, you're going to want to, you're going to want to sign up for this, hmm. you know? Indeed. It, yeah. Yeah. So, um, I'll give the listeners way more information about that and we'll put that on the website so you can know how to do that. But I want to go back to uh, search because, um, I know that listeners are very, very interested in, uh, finding new and creative ways. And um, your search ministries will do things like um, have a dinner party, and one of you two will come and show up and be part of the discussion. Say how something like that would go. Want to go, Ryan, or want me to? Uh, that's all right. Um, you guys decide. Work it out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but, you know, we got like till four. Then one of you guys got to talk. <laughs> Now, the the idea that you'd have a dinner party where you would invite a number of couples together where you have a themed party, you disclose ahead of time, hey, we're going to have a conversation about spiritual things. Mm-hmm. And uh, you, you tee it up that way, you invite uh, a number of couples um, that you can then have those conversations around the dinner party. Um, we like the idea of having somebody else help provide the meal so you're not distracted, so you can actually be there as part of the, a part of the group and part of the group discussion, you're not distracted. Um, but it's amazing how a just a meal provides the opportunity for fellowship and conversation about those topics that tend to be critical. And if you can tee it up ahead of time with the expectation that, hey, look, we're going to talk about these things tonight. If you're interested, um, please come. Mm-hmm. It's it's interesting how people will want to dig deeper in that. And typically then if the people come with someone that they have a relationship with in, they can – they can follow up with conversations later on after they've left the event. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm real curious. I want to take a break, but when I come back, I want to hear about some of the most common questions that get asked at these parties. What do you hear over and over and over? And then um, how the others interact. And I'm, I'm real curious. This sounds great. Um, we'll take a short break. We'll be back in 90 seconds. Uh, Bill Mass, Brian DeVries are in my studio. Uh, they're from Search Twin Cities, Search Ministries. And again, they've got a great straight talk coming up on Friday, November 8th. For people in the Twin Cities or people that can get in a car and drive to the Twin Cities, John Stone Street, president of the Colson Center for Christian Worldview. He's going to be great. Be back in a minute.
Welcome back and happy Friday. I'm talking to Bill Mast and Brian DeVries from Search Ministries, Minnesota. There's uh, how many search ministries across the country is there? I believe there's about 40 staff, 40? Yeah. roughly 20 metropolitan areas around the country. Nice, nice. And uh, Twin Cities has been kind of the gold standard for ministry um, for the last 40 years. It's just been a fabulous ministry, and I've enjoyed so much of search uh, throughout my last 30 years. So it's been really nice to talk about it and have you guys in here because the ministry is, is it's just great. Let's go back to dinner parties now. What are some of the most common questions you guys hear? Some of the more what common is, questions will start out with, uh, how do I know there's a God? Yeah. Uh, proves to me that he exists, for example. Um, uh, I think a universal question among people of faith and non-faith is, why is there evil and suffering? Why do we have pain in the world? Other questions are, is the Bible reliable? How could Jesus possibly be the only way to heaven? What does it really mean to believe? Uh, it's interesting, Bill, that questions that have, have begun to change over the last couple of years, although those questions still remain. A question that's coming to the surface now is, what does it matter? Hmm. What do, does faith matter, and why does it matter, and should it matter? That, that's kind of a new one that's come for all of us, and we're learning how to answer that question. But those are some of the more common questions I mentioned first, but this is a new one that's come um, with, I, I think, the it's, advent of our yeah. growing secular society. Does pain and suffering come up a lot? It does. All the time. It's got to be almost close to number one, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, although the 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 nuns, the rise of the nuns here, when we say nuns, it's N-O-N-E-S, the, uh, the folks that really have no inclination towards anything spiritual or any kind of faith whatsoever, the rise of that, and we're seeing that recent increase, is lending a lot more to that statement that Bill mentioned. Why, why should I care? Hmm. Right. So even to begin the conversations, we have to get past that one. Um, we have to give them the, the reasons why you know, maybe it's in their best interest to consider about what happens for eternity. So it's, a, it's an interesting thing that that's cropping up there, but I would definitely say for me the one that I'm getting besides that is the, the pain and suffering. How can, there, how can there be a good God if there's all this suffering in the world? Mm-hmm. And then when you are starting to uh, talk to people who are losing parents or have lost parents, they're starting to deal with death, and then they start to think of their own mort- immortality, um, that they're starting to become a little bit more interested in, all right, all right, w- what happens if I die, mm-hmm. huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. You have to start studying for the tests, right? You, you have to. <laughs> That's a good way of putting it. Yeah, I like that. You know, ultimately, I, I love your... Your uh, statement of faith up here and your, what you promised to do uh, in terms of letting the gospel be known to people. And that's what we want to do ultimately. We, we know that Jesus desires all to be saved, to come to the knowledge of the truth. Uh, and our approach is, is a relational approach. That's what we do in these, these dinners and open forums mm-hmm. uh, because it's a friend that's going to invite another friend. Mm-hmm. Uh, a stranger isn't going to come to that, but friends and friends inviting other friends yeah. and having a having a congenial conversation. And then I know someone you've had on your program before, Greg Kokel. Greg, Greg likes to say, I'd love to put a pebble in someone's shoe. And that's exactly what we see the Lord doing when someone's there talking about uh, uh, faith issues or, or non-faith issues. Oftentimes what will happen in these dinners is another guest who may not yet know the Lord will say something like, well, that's really interesting but how did you reach that conclusion? Mm-hmm. And far better that they ask it than one of us, right? Mm-hmm. And then the person starts to think, well, well, I kind of believe this, but I'm not sure why I believe this. And that's mm-hmm. the start, right, of the Holy Spirit 
bring, bearing witness to the truth of the gospel right there when they have to examine their own worldview and think, oh, maybe it isn't what I thought it was. Mm-hmm. I remember going to a men's event um, 35 years ago in Dallas, and there were 400 men in the room, and the question was asked, how many of you came to faith because some person showed an interest in you and came alongside you? And I think every hand but about 12 went up. Mm. Yeah, I'm, I remember seeing that at, at Shea Stadium at um, at this men's ministry event that filled the stadium. And what was so shocking was they said, raise your hand if you came to know the Lord in a mass evangelism event. And mm-hmm. a few hands went up. Right. And then they said, well, how many of you came to know the Lord because somebody personally invited you and had that conversation with you? And almost every hand went up. Yeah. And to look at the sea of hands in there was really impressive. And I think that's where... Search Ministries has really identified the necessity for relational evangelism because nobody really knows what you, nobody really cares what you think unless they think that you care, mm-hmm. right? That, That's so true, Brian. That, that relationship needs to be there. Um, it's really astounding on how, how that seems to be the key for, um, for making that connection. It is uh, so true. I mean, I don't want to discount street evangelism because you certainly can lead someone to the mm-hmm. Lord on the street but the Lord has that person exactly where he wants them at the Mm. time. And relational uh, evangelism seems to have the greatest uh, chance of, of moving someone and discipling them and giving them a chance to Mm. be exposed time and time again to friendship and to someone that just shows up and cares and then Mm -hmm. tells them about the gospel. I think one of the reasons, one of the many reasons I'm drawn to relational evangelism and this approach is that's how God, you, what God used in my life to bring me to myself when yeah. I was in college. Two, two Tell friends. That story. Yeah, two friends came alongside me, and uh, I was involved in athletics, and both these guys were athletes, so I uh, respected them, and we, we developed a friendship. But they just approached me in a non confrontational way. You know, hey, hey, how you doing on the spiritual side, and where are you at, and what questions do you have? They, they initiated it, but they didn't back me in the corner. They didn't uh, render judgment on me. They just very politely explained the gospel because I wanted clarification. Uh, they answered my questions. They they saw it as a process. Uh, one day we were going to play a pickup basketball game, and my friend Paul said, uh, well, how are you doing on this journey? And I said, I, I still got a lot of questions yet. And he goes, so do I. Wow. And I said, wait, wait a minute, you're a Christian. You still have <laughs> questions? He says, yeah, well, I got a lot of questions answered a long time ago, but I have new questions today. Right. And that was so freeing for me, and it wasn't long thereafter where the gospel just really became clear. They took all the pieces of the puzzle and put it together, and it's like, yep, that's what I want. Yeah, Bill, did you feel defensive when they said, we want to talk to you about God? We want to, because did you say, well, I know about God? Not at all. Interesting. Uh, so you were wide open. I was wide open. Wow. You know, we'd call that a minus one on the on the scale of... What does that mean? Uh, well, think of a minus 10 as being that cynical okay. skeptic, right? Yeah. Uh, a long way from Christ. Zero being the point where you come to faith in Christ. The minus one is a true spiritual seeker, very close. That's kind of... I was in that minus one to minus two category when they approached me. Okay. And when you made a decision for Christ, how long between the time they befriended you and the time you made a decision? I'd say it was three or four months, five months. It wasn't long. Yeah. And did you have an instant appetite for the word or did you? I did. Wow. Yeah. And again, because I'd seen it and modeled it and I picked up a a paperback good news. I've got one of those. Right. I know right where it is in my house too. (laughs) And and began reading and couldn't put it down. You know, I memorized a lot of stuff in Good News, just because that was one of my first Bibles I had. Yeah. Yeah, it was so easy to read, and I was memorizing, and now I have to kind of relearn stuff and 
King James or NIV. <laughs> nice. So, Brian, what's your story? What, who came alongside you? I was actually one that thought that I was a Christian. I had done all the Christian things. I'd gone to all the Christian events. I had uh, gone to all the Bible studies, certainly went to all the youth groups because that's where a geek like myself could actually talk to girls. <laughs> yeah. But I got to college, and I got invited to a Bible study, and it was perfectly normal for me to go to something like that. And, uh, again, it was an invitation of one individual. Uh, but he asked a very curious question. He said, I want you to pretend that the earth is going to end here in two minutes, and you've got that much time to share with the person on your left what the gospel message is. Mm. Now, a curious thing, if, if you've grown up and filled your head with knowledge and data and information about the Bible but didn't know the Savior or didn't even know the gospel message, a lot of stupid stuff comes out of your mouth. Wow. And I was really amazed at hearing six or seven different ways around the room of people describing the gospel message to me. I'm like, oh my gosh, there's all these details that were just sitting out there like piles of bricks. Add the cornerstone of the gospel of Jesus Christ and instantly everything makes sense and it forms a a cohesive structure that was just almost overwhelming at the time. And how old were you at the time? I was a freshman in college, so. Okay. So a couple of college guys came to faith at that time, Mm -hmm. fully understood the gospel, and placed your faith in Christ. That's right. Yeah. So um, I want to hear a little bit more about the forum groups. You'd mentioned that. You talked about uh, the straight talks and about the uh, dinner, extended dinner party, and then also the forums. I'd love to hear more about what that looks and sounds like. Sounds good. The, the Both the adventure dinner, we call it. That's the, the adventure dinner. dinner. The, the, the dinner gathering okay. uh, in the open forum. It really is the same idea. So a group of Christians invite their non-Christian friends. The non-Christian friends know what they're being invited to. It's not just dropped on them that night. They know they're coming to an evening discussion on the great issues of faith, life, and God. And once people are gathered, uh, we generally sit down in the living room or the dining room, whatever it might be, or it could be in a conference room at a place of business. And if, uh, depending on whether it's Brian or myself moderating the discussion, we make three promises. One, this is a discussion, not a lecture. Two, it's going to last for 59 minutes and 50 seconds. And three, of the various opinions that are shared, I'll share my opinion as well from a Christian perspective. Who'd like to start? We call that an open forum. We're allowing the guests to drive the conversation and ask the question that they'd like to talk about that night. So that, and we're off and running. Mm. Does it, uh, the emotions all over the map, I would, I would guess? <laughs> it Does can it? be, yeah. So, and part of, the, part of the moderator's role is to gauge, you know, where people are at uh, and try to draw people out to converse. Uh, there was one, let's say a, a person starts out and says, well, I don't, understand this evil and suffering saying if god was really good why would he allow that if he's all powerful he certainly could do something about it our response would be i I think that's a great question uh who else feels that way oh yeah right we try to moderate and get more people talking common ground yeah yeah Uh, rather than just answer it or have have a put down which yeah yeah we certainly don't want to do so we try to engage more conversation we'll talk about that more after the break uh bill maston brian debris are in studio from search ministries Twin Cities, where I just got a message from a text from a, li- a listener named Barb. Boy, that Bill and Brian sure sound smart, especially Bill. <laughs> we'll take a short break and we'll be right back.
back to the show. Awfully glad to have Bill Mast and Brian DeVries in studio. They're from Search Ministries Twin Cities. It's just such fascinating uh, ministry, and we're trying to um, mine their brains for the best ways to start conversations with people about faith and find out what do you think. It's a great topic and something I think we can all kind of brush up on. Um, and they're also going to be hosting an event uh, next Friday, November 8th, at Golden Valley Country Club. This is in the Twin Cities for people um, nearby that can drive over there. 7 o'clock, John Stone Street, president of the Colson Center for Christian Worldview. You know him because he is on our station every day. And I will give you more information about that. I will also link to that uh, on the website So, because it's kind of a long email. Uh, it's a long website, so I'll, I'll, I'll give it to you. All right, let's get back to having discussions and conversations. How do I start a conversation? I'm just asking generically mm. for listeners who might be thinking that. I personally know how to do it, but <laughs> let's hear it from you guys. I think one of the, the best ways to start that conversation is to ask somebody what they think. We had a, a gentleman that was part of our ministry, had been involved, and, and he'd been coming to the group for a while, and he said, you know, I was having a conversation with this atheist, and he stopped me, and he said, you know, no Christians ever actually asked me what I thought. And they're now continuing to engage in this conversation that's ongoing. Um, it is such an icebreaker to ask somebody what they think. Tell me what you think about this. How did you come to that conclusion about what you believe? Those are those are home run questions every time. Mm. Questions are just a great way to start conversations, right? I uh, think Jesus modeled that, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I'll, I'll tell a brief example of uh, getting where I go to get my hair cut. Okay. Um, I don't go there. Yeah, that's right. How much you pay for that haircut? Because it's a good looking haircut. <laughs> well, thank you, thank you. Yeah. Flattery will get you everywhere. Yeah, right? oh, yeah. Um, three ladies on this little mon pa sort of place, and uh, I go in there for the first time and uh, get my hair cut. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, well, I'd love to have a conversation here someday, right? And what's the best way to go about this? And, and the, the chairs are pretty close together, and there's other customers in there. About the second or third month I went there, I said uh, something like, uh, ladies, can I ask you a question? Because everybody can hear, right? Sure, go ahead. What is it? Well, what would you do if you won the lottery? Oh, I'd do something for my grandma or I'd take a trip, right? They all mm-hmm. had answers. That that was it. Come back the second month, I asked another question, something like, um, you know, who's your favorite teacher when you were young and why? About the third month, uh, they're starting to ask me when I come in, hey, do you have a question for us? <laughs> and, and it's approaching Christmas, so I said, well, what, is, what does Christmas mean to you? Mm-hmm. And they all gave their explanations. Then this time they turned to me and said, oh, Bill, what does Christmas mean to you? Wow. So I got to explain the Christmas story. Fantastic. And that continued after Christmas, you know, kind of some um, innocuous questions once again after after the first of the year. Then Easter was approaching and same sort of thing. Hey, ladies, well, what's your take on Easter? What do, you, what do you think Easter's all about? They answered, same thing. Bill, what does Easter mean to you? Oh, my word. Talk about a tee up. Mm-hmm. So I, I got to share the message of Christ in a very non-confrontational way that they kind of... Uh, just set up themselves and invited, but it, it just started with asking questions and showing interest in them. You you built that relationship with those people over time, mm. which gave you that intro to asking those questions and giving the answer. It did, yeah. So it's taking advantage of every situation we have mm. and trying to be mindful as to what we can do to set the to set the table to have a discussion that we can talk to them about God. 
You know, it, it reminds me of a, of, a, of a story that I often tell that really highlights the importance of the relationship in evangelism. Uh, I used to do research at a national laboratory, and I would work late nights often. And one of the things that was interesting is there was a janitor that would come by, and he was from India, and we would have conversations late in the evening. And to be honest with you, I have no idea what we talked about. But it went on for months and months. And then one time he said to me, Brian, I'd like you to come to my house for dinner. My wife will make us an authentic Indian dinner. Wow. I was really Sign looking me forward. Up. Yeah, I know, exactly. Sign me I was up. a terrible cook, so I thought yeah. it was awesome. <laughs> and what I'll always remember, though, is the way that he introduced me to his wife. He, he, he told her, come here, I want you to meet my friend Brian. This is my friend that has a God that knows his name. Ooh. Now, I have no idea how he came up with that, but whatever it was is something that he absorbed from our conversation over time. And it highlighted two things to me. One was the importance of relational evangelism. But secondly, you never know when you're having a conversation where it's going to be a significant conversation. Yeah, I have always said nothing is inconsequential in God's economy. Mm. Nothing. So you think you've got this, you know, go nowhere conversation with someone that lasts 15 seconds. And they come back and they say, you know, there's something that we talked about. I'd like to talk to you again. And the next thing you know, you're into something more serious. Mm. I don't, I don't think God ever wastes our time if we're intentional with how we spend ours. Agreed. You know, in, in, in the fourth chapter of Colossians, Paul is obviously writing to the Christians in Colossae, and he asks them to pray for him for open doors, right? And that open doors is with outsiders, people outside the faith. And I think that's a great start for us as believers is to pray for open doors. And then one of the ways we can kind of jiggle the door handle is by asking good questions, a question such as... Uh, uh, hey, what was what was your church or religious background? What was that like for you? And was it a positive or not so positive one? I'd love to hear your story. Or uh, I'd love to get your opinion on the question of God. That's a question I'll just use for people to start a conversation with someone I know typically. You know, what's, what's your opinion on the on the question of God? I'd love to hear what you have to think. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 this is an illustration I use uh, to kind of gain a, give a perspective on how sometimes we're perceived as Christians who wish to share their faith. I may go into a large box store like a Lowe's or Home Depot on a Saturday morning because I have a plumbing project. And I walk in and the greeter greets me and asks me what I'm looking for. And I said, well, you know, point me to the plumbing aisle. And he says, well, it's, it's aisle 14, but I need you to come with me to electrical first. We had a great sale. And he drags me down there and tells me we've got 20% off today, and we've got this and this and that and that, and you need to really spend some time here. And I, I'm like, I just want to get to aisle 14. i got some plumbing stuff. And I, I'm not interested, right? Mm-hmm. Instead, in contrast, if he would have said, what am I looking for, plumbing? Well, let me take you down to aisle 14. Let me help you find what you're looking for, anything else you need. And then at the end said, uh, hey, by the way, today only, we've got this incredible sale in the electrical department. Um Maybe check that out, too. And I would have been all over that, right? He met my need. He was interested in me, asked me good questions, answered my questions. And then, by the way, and I think sometimes we're perceived like that first approach, that we want to show something to people that they're really not interested. So a great way to kind of counter that is, well, find out what they're interested in and talk about that. Mm -hmm. That's okay. And then over time, sometimes it's early in the conversation, sometimes it takes a while, it's ask those per- more pertinent questions about where people are at and what they're really counting on. And if they're angry at God or they've rejected God, it's easy to ask them to tell me about the God you rejected. Mm-hmm. I think you get pretty straight answers. They're willing to talk about the God they're mad at, 
because, you know, mom died of cancer when I was nine or, you know, my uncle did this to me and I've been damaged ever since. And if God would allow that, I'm not interested. Mm. That we hear, I think we hear that often because people are full of painful experiences. And it's the difficult conversations is when they've linked that specifically to God and putting blame with God. And so having to work through those conversations and letting them know, hey, look, I, I, I actually can can feel what you feel to some extent. I mean, I, I, I have a hurt in my heart because you're hurting. And that's, that's something that's really important to make sure that you're extending to somebody. Brian, tell me about your first day on the job. I know you've recently joined uh, Search. I know you came from, uh, you were living in Michigan? Uh, Virginia. Same thing. Close. Yeah, same thing. <laughs> I, uh, I remember sitting down at, uh, at our office, and, and Bill had invited me to come to one of our, our first uh, meetings where we were going through a book called Foundations, which is an intro to the gospel and, and basic Christianity. And one of the guys that was with us and attending, he was a, a gentleman that for now we'll just label as a skeptic. He had still had some questions about faith and Christianity. But he got to the section where we were making clear the actual gospel message, and he stopped us. He said, wait, wait, stop. If this is true, we need to tell everybody. <laughs> it, it was astounding, and I'm thinking, yeah, this is where I want to work. This is awesome. <laughs> this, this is, is day uh, one, isn't it? This is great. Give me a sign, Lord, any sign that this is where you want me. Yeah. No, yeah. it was it was fantastic. So Yeah. So do people have a hard time saying to someone in the midst of conversation, would you like to pray to receive Christ right now? Hmm. Is that a sticking point for people? You're asking for for the Christian, is that? Yeah, yeah. I'm asking for the oh, Christian. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah there, there are several sticking points. One, I think, is this whole idea of just starting a conversation, right? That's kind of what we've been spending the last few minutes talking about. How do I start a conversation? Mm-hmm. But yeah, once we once we get down that road, I, I think that's a, that question needs to be asked. What, or Or... What's keeping you from placing your trust in Christ today? Uh, I had that conversation with someone a few years ago, and this person did, I asked that question, and he told me his barrier, and we talked about it and met a couple more times, and then perhaps a month later, I asked the same question. Hey, what, what, is there anything that's keeping you from placing your trust today? And there was this long silence, and finally he said, no. I said, well, let's, are you, do you want to pray now? And he did, right there in a Starbucks. Yeah. That's happened several times with me. Is there any obstacle in the way, anything that you would like to discuss, or you feel like you're at a place where you can give your life to Christ right now, and would Mm. you like to do that? And they go, yeah. (laughs) Whoa, whoa, wait, wait a minute. This is what I always hoped would happen. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty powerful. Great question, though, Bill. I think that's important. At some point, we need to put it out there, right? Kind Absolutely. Of, kind of draw the you line know. of sand and say, here it is. What's what's keeping you from doing this, and would you like to do it now? And I've heard the response, no one's ever asked me. Mm. As if to suggest the only way I do it is if I, you know, take someone's offer to do it. Isn't that something? It, it's, it's amazing. Yeah, even just two months ago, I had almost identical experience with an individual, and he was an um, individual that had lots and lots of questions, and we were just burning down those barriers and, and finally, we get to the, the point where we're asking the same question. You know, what's, what's the barrier? Um, you know, because I know he's starting to run out of steam with some of the questions, right? And he finally just said, hey, look, I got nothing. I, I got no reason to not do this. So it meant that we, we stepped out of the coffee shop and sat in the car. Yeah, it's, it's powerful. I've done this before where mm-hmm. I've gotten on my knees with someone. Mm-hmm. That was obviously in a place where I could. Right. Um, but it was... 
And this little voice in my head is screaming, I bet you can't believe this is happening. Because <laughs> you ask them if they want to pray to receive Christ, and they go, yeah. I go, sure, let's get on our knees and do it right now. And they go, great. And I love the enthusiasm you're expressing right now because there's, there's nothing better, right, to, to be present and oh. know that God used you, you know, little old me in this, right. in this right. example of seeing someone transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. It's yeah. such a from, privilege. Yeah. 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 There's Absolutely. a powerful story of someone that engaged in, in search. It was a, a man who over many months came to faith in Christ. And then his wife said, huh, tell the story because you'll t- tell it better than me. His wife was amazed at yeah. the changes. Yeah, this is uh, in another city, uh, and uh, this this couple had been, been loved on by some of our search staff and their friends and invited into the community. They, they were newcomers to the community. They got invited to this open forum living room discussion, of which they came to several sessions, and uh, the gospel became clearer and clearer. Their questions were being answered. They were being loved on by friends, and the, the husband then was asked, well, would you like to receive Christ? And sure, he did. Then one of the wives took his wife out for lunch not too much long after that, and and uh, same question was asked, and, you know, is there anything keeping you from trusting Christ? Would you like to have what your husband has? And she said, I sure would. I'd love to have what he has. And it's right there in the restaurant. She placed her trust in Christ. I thought that was so cool in this story where they're telling it, and she notices a change in him, which was something that you had said there. I, I want what he has almost, right? There was this desire to have that kind of relationship that he's exhibiting. So these, these genuine transformations that Christ makes in us is attractive to other people, and they can see it. Um, even, even one of the gentlemen that, that made a decision for Christ was searched a couple months ago. His physical appearance, he, his countenance is, is, is up. I mean, he's, he's happier, he's smiling, he's, he's not weighed down by this, uh, this eternal decision that he has to make or this conflict that he has in his head. Um, these transformations are really extraordinary. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm going to take a little break. So a listener named Jeff say, ask these guys a really hard question, maybe from like Leviticus or something. <laughs> so I'll have to think of a hard question from Leviticus during the break. We'll be back. Bill Mast, Brian DeVries in Studio Straight Talk is uh, coming up on November 8th. They're hosting John Stone Street, president of the Colton, Colson Center for Christian Worldview. It's in the Twin Cities. I'll have a link on the website as to where you can uh, learn more about that. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the show. So, Brian, is there something in Leviticus as to how you're supposed to build a latrine? Yeah, I'm afraid there is. There is. Okay. <laughs> I think we'll skip that for now. But hopefully Jeff is happy. Okay. Uh, let's talk about the one, two, three of search. Mm. We operate from three principles. You might say three simple steps as it relates to relational evangelism. One, two, three. One is value the one, right? Value the one. We think of the, the three parables in Luke 15, the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. Mm-hmm. Start with one. Value the one. Uh Second, uh, there's two principles. Evangelism is a process. Secondly, God is responsible for the results. And by process, when I used that graph a little earlier, someone maybe being at a minus five, we're trusting God that he's going to move them in a process to zero at some point. 
that point where that person trusts the Christ. But it's it's typically not an overnight thing. It often is uh, is a is a time related thing. It's very much similar to marriage. When I first met Barb, it was uh, at a camp. We got to know each other. We started seeing each other a little more often. We started falling in love. We started talking about marriage. And then one day we walked up in front of our congregation in our church and said, I do. But it, it was a process in getting there to say, I do. We, th- we think it's similar in the process of coming to faith in Christ. And of course, uh, the second dynamic of that is that God is responsible for the results. He, is, he has entrusted us and invited us into the process, but ultimately we're trusting God to change a person's heart and repent and convict that person uh, uh, of the truth of the gospel. So one and two, value the one, and then two, two principles, evangelism is the process and God is responsible for the results. Then we mentioned three barriers, and I'll let Brian briefly mention the three barriers that people have to the gospel. So the typical three barriers are an emotional one, an intellectual one, and a natural one. And the emotional one you can imagine, right? My my grandmother died. I prayed to God that she wouldn't die. God didn't answer my prayer, and so I have this, this beef with God about not answering my prayer. Or um, the intellectual barrier where I've got all these, all of these philosophies in my head which all seem to contradict what uh, is being told to me about Christianity, and I've got to try and wade through those. And, and the other is the natural resistance. I mean, we just have a, a natural resistance to, um, to having to submit to an authority. Mm. And, I, and I think that's, it's those three that combine that we should expect when we're having a conversation with somebody that those are going to be there. Let's expand these a little bit because this, I think everyone needs to hear this one more time because these, these will help equip people to understand why they're getting the feedback they're getting, why they're getting the pushback. Yeah, it, we shouldn't be discouraged no. when we get this pushback. We should expect it. Right? Yes, this is what we should be waiting to hear. Right. Mm. Yeah. The, the natural um, pushback that you get from people have fallen into the three areas of mm-hmm. emotional, intellectual, and, and the natural um, I, I remember my sister calling me after um, she, she had a master's degree in er, uh, early childhood development and she had her first child and she had this spoon that was, uh, I guess, a collector's spoon or some kind of special spoon that she had and she had on this table. And she told her, her, um, her son, young toddler, no, don't touch this. I'm going to put this on the table. And he runs over to the table, grabs the spoon says no to her, laughs, and runs. And she calls me. She says, why would he do that? <laughs> I thought, already having children of my own, I'm like, this is new to you? This is a, this is a natural reaction from our, from our children. We have this natural resistance to authority. Um, and we've got this emotional barrier, too, especially if we've had bad experiences that we've linked and, and blamed God for, that it's hard for us to overcome those things until we have a, a real picture of who God is and what he's doing and what's happening in our life and, and an eternal future. So these are, these are things that uh, we should expect to run into and have part of our discussion over. Mm. And that, you know, so what's our response to those barriers? And sometimes people have all three, right? Uh, that emotional barrier, our response really is to cultivate relationship, move into that person's life, ask good questions, develop trust, tell them we're praying for them. Response to the intellectual barriers, well, we do research and we provide answers to people. We try to answer their questions. And then for the volitional barrier, 
or the natural barrier. That's that's the that's really the fallen nature where a person mm-hmm. has said, "Well, okay, you've answered my questions. And I still don't believe." We see uh, many examples of that in the New Testament, particularly mm-hmm. with the Jewish leaders when they raised when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Some of the followers come into the people in, in Jerusalem, and, and I'm paraphrasing, uh, and they wanted all the more to kill him. They just saw just saw him raise some from the dead. They want to kill him. Mm-hmm. That's the natural barrier. That's the fallen human nature of us that rejects authority. And the response for us is we pray. We pray. We pray that God confirms truth to them and convicts them of their sin and draws them to himself. Um, a lot of people think, is God good and can he be trusted? Mm-hmm. That's got to be a sticking point for a lot of people because they're, they're trying so hard just to control their own life mm. at the time. You're telling me now I need to give control up. It, I'm barely getting by with what I'm doing. One of the give it up? That, yeah, we struggle with these um, these emotions that we have. That look, either God is is uh, all powerful and uh, all good, or or some flavor or mixture of the two. Because we're we're running into that difficulty of you know how can he be good and and we see these terrible things happening. But what's often not discussed there is what's the alternative to not having a God. If we, if we don't have a God and we're left with simply random acts, then we have to ask ourselves, why does this bother me? And the very fact that something bothers you about being unfair or cruel or wicked should tell you something. Because if it's strictly uh, an evolutionary fact that we've got randomness happening around us, these events have no meaning whatsoever. The fact that we have these emotional responses should tell us something that there might be something beyond what we're what we're imagining out of a random universe. Mm. Go ahead, Bill. What's helpful to me when someone asks a question like that is is, is this second principle that this is a process? Because my tendency is to want to rush in, give a quick answer, and expect that there's going to be an immediate change. Right. That the person's going to hear that answer, and, okay, I got it now, I'm ready to trust Christ, when in fact, oftentimes it's going to be a while. Sometimes there's there's convergence right away, right? But oftentimes it's just, it can be a lengthy process, so I have to ask myself, am I willing to be there in the long haul? Mm-hmm. Am I willing to stay with this person, be involved in their life, see the ups and downs, uh, and trusting that God is going to break through one day? Uh, so j- just thinking of it that way helps me prepare for what could be a very long venture here. Which is a beautiful journey. It is. Because that's that's the the beauty in evangelism is you can come alongside someone for 30, 40 years. Quick story on this. Friend of mine from high school, best friend in high school. We went our separate ways in college and then got reconnected maybe 20 years after college. Not a believer. And he and I have been talking about spiritual things for probably 35 years. Didn't move a dime. Minus seven. (laughs) Never moved. Yeah. He took a trip to Israel last spring, and he called me up this summer, said, Billy, I was wrong. Well, John, what do you mean you're wrong? I was wrong all about, about all of this. I understand that Jesus is really who he said to be, and he really did rise from the dead. He said, I saw it all, and I heard all these stories, and I was there personally. So a, a quick turnaround, because what just, you're seeing the Holy Land just had this impression upon him. But I'm thinking, wow, it took 35 years to come to that point. Now, he had placed his trust in Christ, but he had moved from denying it even being possibly true to saying, I believe that it's true. Now, he hasn't come to believe in it yet. Mm-hmm. Well, he's on a 
wonderful journey. He is. Yeah, and when I think of some of the people who are stuck because they may just have a damaged and broken heart, mm. and that damaged and broken heart can only be healed by God, but they're just not willing to give that up yet. So yeah. you stay in their lives and you love them, and that makes all the difference. All right, let's chat one more time about this Street Talk event, which is a open to anyone, right? Yes. And you can uh, attend and hear John Stone Street, president of the Colson Center for uh, for Christian Worldview. When he comes on the show, uh, he is always like the busiest guy that I've ever talked to. And the fact that he's going to be in the Twin Cities, be a op- wonderful opportunity to hear him speak and present live. He's a powerful communicator and if you have a, a friend who's kicking the tires, I bet this would be a great event to go mm. to because they would get a chance to uh, hear a person of this intellect give a beautifully crafted message um, about the heated disagreements across our culture. Um, and I'm going to put that information up on the website. It's uh, straighttalk-stonestreet.pushpayevents.com. I know that's kind of a long one, but we'll put it up on the website and you can go check it out. Gentlemen, thanks for coming in. Great to be here, Bill. Better sure than, appreciate you and your show. Thanks. Better than jury duty? <laughs> it's good to talk That's, to you. Thank you. Well, you didn't really answer no, so that kind of stung, but uh, that's all right. That's all right. Bill Mass, Brian DeBreeze have been my guest. Give me the um, web address for Search Ministries. What is that one? TwinCities.SearchNational.org. TwinCities.SearchNational.org. All right. You guys need a shorter website. <laughs> Agreed. Name. I agree. All right, we'll uh, take a short break and be back with Hour 2 in a few minutes. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.